0: So, a podcast about FAMU athletics is here to talk about FAMU in a positive light, what's going on, and always keep you abreast as to the most up-to-date events related to FAMU athletics, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, or even FAMU golf. We're going to talk about it, we're going to bring it up to the light, we're going to share it, so that you can brag and tell all your other friends in a sweat that FAMU is the greatest school on this side of heaven. I'm Keith Hadley, and I am a graduate of Florida University, and I also run the FAMU Fifth Quarter on Twitter. Like the Twitter page, follow it, and make sure you share it with your friends so that they can keep up to date as to how great FAMU is, so that if they're not a rattler, they can know who their kids need to be. Greetings and salutations. Another episode of Fangs Up here. And today we're going to talk about FAMU football, FAMU baseball. We're going to go inside the den and we're going to go inside the den twice. We're going to talk about the linebacker's room because the linebacker room at Florida AM University is on swole. It is probably FAMU's deepest position outside of maybe a position in the secondary. A uh, person that plays DB, but FAMU's linebacker room is. And we're going to finish off with a preview of Jackson State University. That game, the Orange Blossom Classic. What does it look like? What might it be? Who should you look out for? And what are some of the things that you need to know before you head down to Miami? Now, FAMU football, we're going to start off by talking about that and a little bit about recruiting. Y'all know football brings in the attention. And the big headline for the week has been so far that, FAMU got Trey Fisher to transfer to FAMU. If you're not familiar, Trey Fisher is the son of former Florida State University coach, current Texas A&M University coach, Jimbo Fisher. He's a 5'11", 180-pound quarterback from Tennessee Martin, and he played at Godby High School. And a lot of the pop and circumstance, honestly, it is because of who his dad is. It is because of what Jimbo Fisher did at Florida State. A lot less of it is what Trey did at Godby. And they weren't a bad team, but he's not going to play this year. I mean, it's a good article to kind of fill the dead period when there's nothing to talk about. But honestly, if if we're going to be honest about what Trey is going to bring to the team, it's just another arm. He's an arm for competition for next year. Honestly, I feel like he's going to register it this year. I've seen the kid play before. I wasn't blown away. I I saw him his senior year when they played Edgewater and I was like, Oh, that's Jimbo's kid. Cool. All right. Nothing, nothing world, nothing world beating. Pretty sure the kids got very good concepts as far as an understanding of what's going on on the field, just from being a coach's son and growing up in that environment. But I don't think it's a, I think it's a lot to do about nothing for this season. It's just a filler. It's something to get y'all to kind of pay attention to the program and less so pay attention to what's actually going on in the quarterback room. Because I'll be honest, I, I really feel like their kid doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of playing next year. I mean, it's just going to be honest with you. all I'm not going to lie to you. I, I feel like it's a two-man race with a third guy that's in the hunt. And it's McKay or Musa. Who's your quarterback? Now, Maritovic has a chance as well. But the top two are right now, McKay and Musa. Junior's got a shot, but I really I like the idea of if Junior has not redshirted yet. And I'll kind of double check that real quick. It don't make for good podcasting, but it does help me be informed when I look on the roster. If Junior hasn't redshirted this year, this would be a great season for him to redshirt the quarterback room is very full. There's a lot of talent on the roster and that gives him another year to sit in, in the system and learn it and get comfortable with it. And from what I'm seeing, juniors never redshirted. Why play him this year? Just going to be honest, let junior and Fisher go head to head. And I shouldn't have said it like that. Cause it sounds like I'm saying like junior Fisher, which is like not fair to Trey, but let Trey Fisher and junior Muratovic fight it out next year. And that be your quarterback battle along with some of the other quarterbacks. But that to me is just, it's added depth to the roster and it's a position that you're going to need depth at. I just, just being honest, junior is a good size quarterback. He's shown that he was fairly durable in his time as the quarterback. But at the same point, You don't want to be all fully dependent on one person to come back as a quarterback. You need him to compete against somebody, and you also need that protection in the event event of an injury. So that's where I'm at with it right now, because next year I'm seeing Cameron Sapp is coming back. Muratovic is coming back. Ja'Cory Jordan would be coming back. Trey Fisher would also be coming back. So that's, that's a pretty decent quarterback room. I'm not blown away by it. But it's decent. If if one of those guys is your starter next year, I don't know what, what it looks like as far as your end of the season results. I'm biased. I have a favorite. Just to be honest, it's junior for next year. But for this year, who, I, I don't know who you pick. I'll be honest. I, I, I like Musa's raw talent and raw ability. But at the same point, I like McKay. May not sound like it. May not seem like it. But McKay, he knows the offense. He's grown a lot. And for those reasons, that's why I say us bringing in Trey Fisher is is a nice story. It's something nice to write about. But it's a 5'11", 180 pound quarterback that's transferring to come back home. Potentially let the kid red shirt, learn the system. If he becomes really efficient and really good at it, go for it. Better for him. But if he's out there and he's sucktastical, it sucks. But the kids local and nine times out of 10, he don't qualify for any scholarship money anyway. So it ain't like they can't afford to pay for college. Just saying like so. And hopefully he focuses on his studies. He brings up your APR. You need that. So, again, that is the big news related to football, the acquisition Is the word I'm looking for of one Trey Fisher, the son of Jimbo Fisher, the head coach at Texas A&M, former coach at Florida State University, who's won a national championship. And he beat Alabama this past year. We're going to see what Trey looks like in orange and green. I saw him at blue and white at Gavi again. Wasn't blown away. But at the same point, they played a really good Edgewater team down here in Orlando. So I'm just going to say I'm a little I'm a little biased based on what I saw. That I was not, I didn't come away overly impressed. And it's not that kid's job to impress me. It's not. I'm not. I'm not the end all, be all. I'm not the authority in quarterback play. But when I looked at my own two eyes, I would take Junior over Trey from what I saw at that time, and from what I've seen since. Uh, I haven't seen. I haven't seen Fisher play since then. So I, I, I'd be interested to see. Hopefully, he sticks along, and next year at the spring game, he shows something because. You never know. He could come out there next spring game and blow it away and have me on, have me kind of like Musa did like, yo, that kid should start. <laughs> and I don't back down from that. Yeah. I like McKay because I know McKay knows the offense, but at the same point, Musa's got better mechanics. Is that the same for junior and Trey? And then what happens to the other quarterbacks? Cause we still got two or three more other quarterbacks. It's, Famous quarterback room with a coach like Willie Simmons is always going to be a interesting con, con, uh, conversation and place for debate because you have a guy that played quarterback at the highest level and had success. Willie Willie Simmons damn near beat Florida State when he was at Clemson. He was a good quarterback and he knows what he's talking about. Go go catch coach when he's coaching, and you will see that he's detailed. He knows what he's talking about and he's focused. And I think that's part of how you land a student like Trey Fisher or a kid like Trey Fisher, who's his dad's a football coach. If you're teaching him some BS, he's going to call you out on it because his dad is a football savant. That dude is, has a very difficult system to run. And I'm pretty sure at some point in time, Trey's been exposed to some parts of it. I don't think he knows the full system, but I'm just going to, gonna err on the side of caution and saying that the kid's been exposed to it so that was the first really big talking point about family football the other one and this happened late last night famu offers two students Derek latilus and if i said your last name wrong i definitely apologize uh, he's a 5'9 170 pound athlete from new iberia louisiana i believe that is where the louisiana hot sauce is made could be wrong uh, but he is a student at Westgate high school, but he's a hard commit according to rivals to Louisiana tech. And he's a 2023 prospect. I'm just saying y'all Louisiana tech and Fame, You have very similar facilities as far as football wise and basketball wise, but we ain't got the same money as far as what we get from the SWAC in conference USA. I, I, I don't, If I'm that kid, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana's home. It's great to come to FAMU. It's great to come on the visit. I would not be surprised if he is on the field for homecoming because that's going to be the hottest ticket. One of the hottest tickets in the South for that weekend, if not the hottest ticket in the South. And you get to get in there for free. All you got to do is travel there. And if it's an official visit, you ain't even got to pay for travel more than likely. You just got to jump on the plane and get here. I'm just saying it. 17... Eighteen year old me, I'm gonna be a homecoming. Okay, there gonna be some girls there, and I'm chasing skirts. <laughs> I'm on the field. I'm I'm in football shape. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm definitely going to FAMU's homecoming, even if I'm committed to Louisiana Tech. And uh, they're not concerned about FAMU's visit because they know what they are. They know where we are. That to me, it's a it's a great thing to see that he got offered, but. It's not anything to get excited about. I've long since I've never been a person that just gets excited about every student that gets offered. But especially when I consider that. A lot of our students that we have offered haven't come to FAMU, they've gone elsewhere, even the JUCOs as of late. And some of the JUCOs and transfers that we signed, they ain't on the roster right now. So either they need to get it together and get some work done or. Something's got to happen as far as with, with those type of athletes uh, that are transferring in. But Louisiana Tech commit, I'm not going to get excited about it. Another one, Ethan Crite, 6'2", 180-pound, another player, and he is from Roswell, Georgia. He's a wide receiver. And Roswell, Georgia is not too far from Atlanta. So another Atlanta metro area player, 2023 recruit. And he's got no stars. I'm not saying I'm excited because he has no stars. I'm saying because when I look at his list of colleges, we got a snowball's chance in Hades of signing him. I see Air Force Army. That means he's got academics. Austin P. Brown. That means he's got academics. Colgate. I I don't see a bunch of Louisville. (laughs) I see Columbia, Dartmouth. There's a lot of Ivy League schools that are offering this kid. Harvard, Lehigh, UMass. I've already talked to y'all about how I feel about UMass. The U.S. Naval Academy, Princeton, Yale, Duke. So the kid's cutting it, doing work in the classroom. That's what we need more of. And the fact that he's not a two, three, four star athlete means you got a shot. And that's not a really nice thing to say. But the kid's. Might be getting slept on. He doesn't have any stars as of right now, though. That means this is when you go in there and you impress upon him. Hey, fam, you should be a realistic option. You could play here. You might get a shot. This is a chance. We have players. We have a player in the NFL right now. Did he get drafted? Not exactly. Were there some extenuating circumstances related to that? Potentially. But fam, he was a place where. If you you can either leave and go to the league or you could do like Bishop Bonnet and have a construction job where you're making 70, 80 thousand dollars fresh out of college. It's a place where dreams come true. You sell it as that you sell it. You sell the upgrades and facilities. You sell the renovated stadium. You sell the the cooling trailer that you have there to help students cool and recover. You sell the improved weight room. You You talk about the different things and initiatives that are going on around campus. And then the things that you intend to push to the new athletic director and say, Hey, I have an idea and I have a plan that I want a new field house. And at my previous institution, if I'm Willie Simmons, I talk about what happened at Prairie View. We built a whole new stadium while I was there. I'm not saying is going to get a new field house. I'm saying we, we probably need one, but I'm saying it's not a bad idea. To sell upon these students the vision and the dream, and to tell them that be a part of not just the tradition, but the dream and the future of AMU. And let them know, okay, nah, we ain't, we not Jackson State, we not, but at the same point. Keep it a buck with him. How long is Dion gonna stay there? Dion has never stayed at a program for long. He could, he could. I'm not saying he's not, but. He's never stayed at a program for long. And if all things work out, this would be the first time it ends well. Prime prep didn't go well. (laughs) Like it didn't. I want him to win. I want him to do well. Except for when they play FAMU. Then I want him to get molly Other than that, I want him to win. But if we're going to be honest, that's part of the things you have to sell. You do have to not maybe negatively recruit, but you have to recruit in a manner that people are able to see that you're serious and that your program is going places and that it's a place where people should be. I mean, part of the selling point for Jackson State isn't just the size of their stadium. It's the uniform combinations. It's the investment into the program. We we got to be able to sell that to recruits because Bragg Stadium seats about twenty two, twenty three thousand now. It would be great to get that 3,000 back and get it back up to 25 and especially if you get it back in predominantly predominantly luxury seats. Not saying you need 3000 luxury seats, but if you had 500 to 1000 in the south end zone, that'd be awesome. And then go ahead and fill in the north end zone with another 5-600 seats. Homecoming, you could comfortably seat 30,000 in that stadium. The markup is already stupid. They're charging $50 a head for some of these tickets. So They're banging you over the head to get into the stadium. It's like freaking club brag. So let's sell these kids that make sure you bring them in for either Southern or homecoming. It's club brag. It's turned up. It's lit. Let them see the student section, everything that takes place, the pop and the circumstance that is related to FAMU athletics, because that is how we're going to be able to get the students so that we can get the results. Because I don't know if you are, but I'm tired of losing to Jackson State. In everything it's not a rivalry for me. I've called it a budding rivalry. I said it before. It was a whole talking point, but to me, it's not a rivalry. I don't have animosity towards people from Jackson state. We just play each other. We want the same thing. That's like any other place, but it's not yet a rivalry. Give it a few years though. And if they keep winning the way they're winning, Dion stays, it might be a talking point. It might be a rivalry then, but right now it's not a rivalry and uh our recruiting base continues to be very heavily focused on Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. And we added another quarterback. So we're going to take a break there y'all. When we come back, we're going to talk about FAMU baseball. We just lost a good in y'all, but we're going to talk about that when we come back. It's Fangs up. All right y'all, welcome back. And FAMU baseball has been really shouldering the load of academic or athletic success. With on the men's side for it, pretty much the entire time that Jamie Shuba's been there. The FAMU football team regained relevance during the Willie Simmons era because for the longest time, we weren't that good at football. We were average. We weren't good. Especially that guy before Willie Simmons. Woo! Terrible. Um, But yesterday, FAMU baseball, it was official. We lost our coach, Brian Henry. He was a pitching coach. So not the head coach, Jamie Shoup's still there to Tallahassee community college, TCC. If you are like me and from the area, and I'm also a TCC grad, but, uh, he, he graduated from Florida state university and he takes over a baseball program with pretty good history. TCC's baseball has been consistently good probably last two to three decades. I mean, I can't think of a season when TCC did not have a good baseball program and they're getting a really good coach. Supposedly he's been at FAMU for eight years and that's a long time to be doing the Lord's work for literally next to nothing. Um And now he's got a full time gig over there. I think he sticks at TCC for a few years, especially if Tallahassee community college has any success. I think Brian Henry sticks there, but I'm also going to say this. If Tallahassee community college has success, Jamie Shoup is not a spring chicken. He's not young. None of us are getting any younger. So let's let's not even hit the, he ain't getting no younger. No, no, no. I ain't getting younger either. I'm getting older. <laughs> Rode the bike today, came back home. And um, yeah, I was, I, I've been ready for a nap pretty much ever since. <laughs> but that being said, Jamie Shoup is getting up there. He's been coaching baseball for quite a while. And... One of the things we cannot lose upon ourselves is the importance to have a plan. And I think the plan has to be that in the event that Coach Shoup retires in the next four to five years and there's a modicum of success at TCC that is continued. You would be crazy to not even talk about that being a consideration. All right, to me coach Shoop, he 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 can he can host a cookout. I don't know if he can cook, you know, I, I I don't know him that well. But he can host a cookout. Like looking at his profile, his son's a rattler. Like so you a rattler. Like Jamie Shoop, you are a rattler. I know you worked at Florida State, all that good stuff. But uh you fam you. You family at this point, bro. <laughs> like you spent a long time at Florida State and they don't love you like we do. So you family. But if coach Shoop if and when he decides to to retire. Brian Emmerich should be a call. Like that, that should not be a, well, we don't know which way we're going to go. No, no, it, it should be this guy. If he has any success, he knows the culture. He knows the brand. He knows what kind of work it takes to build this up because he did it. If he has any success at TCC. You, you got to have the conversation with him and you got to continue to nourish that relationship because now, the guys that go to TCC, hey man, fam, you there? I know the coach. I know, I know a guy. Hey, that that's the conversation. I know a guy. Oh, really? Who? Uh, I used to be the coach over there. I used to be one of the assistants, so I know the head coach. Really? Pray tell. Like now you have a viable recruiting. Ah, uh, looking for the word. I want to say funnel, but a, a recruiting base. And an area to recruit from because you already recruit from TCC. I, I, I myself went to Tallahassee Community College. I got an associate's degree from there before I transferred to FAMU. And I got accepted to FAMU twice. I got accepted undergrad as far as out of fresh out of high school. And then I went as a transfer student. I, it, it's not a bad experience. It's a very large campus. The TCC is bigger than FAMU. Um, it's a large school it's literally right down from campus, so you're able to recruit people who are already in town. They they don't have to do, they ain't got to do a lot to go to fam. Ain't like they got to move. Like that's a selling point. Hey, bro, like you you just want to come on the you, especially the top players. Bring them on over. You have you have a recruiting pipeline. That's the word I was looking for. Pipeline. That literally those eagles can become rattlers, like I did. Just saying, it's it's a good thing. You want your coaches to be wanted by somebody else. If nobody wants your assistants, they're probably trash. It's a good thing that Brian Henry got that job, and I'm happy for him. But this also needs to serve as a lesson learned. We got to find a way to adequately pay these people. Like I, I, I'm just saying that there's our assistants need to be paid. If it means you have. Two assistants and those two get paid, then that's saying that's that that needs to be said. Now, to me, baseball, I think we need at least three. I could be wrong, but I I feel like you need three assistant coaches. You need a first base coach, you need a second base coach. And we only had really three. We had a graduate assistant, we had Brian Henry, and we had Brett Richardson. And then the graduate assistant was Octavian Moyer. And hopefully Octavian's loyalty gets rewarded. Hopefully he's allowed to do something. But is looking for a pitching coach. And our head coach used to coach pitching as well. So we got to do something, y'all. Because it's not a good look where coaches are getting plucked by community colleges. And nine times out of ten, he's making more money at TCC than he was at Fam. Just saying. So, congratulations to Coach Brian Henry. Um, I'm excited. I'm happy for you. I, I have not gotten to like meet him one on one, but I've definitely cheered him from afar, both as a student athlete but as a coach as well. Again, I'm a fan of you and an FSU fan. I'm not. I'm not one way about this. I'm not one of those people that wants FSU to drop off into the middle of the ocean. So FAMU you can be better. No, I, I get it. I'm from Tallahassee. I want Tallahassee to win. Tallahassee does better when both programs are good. The best the best times in the city have been when both FAMU and FSU football were relevant. When both those programs are relevant, Saturday in Tallahassee is lit. It's on fire. The news is amazing. The postgame events are amazing. You You go to a restaurant, it's packed. The bars are packed. Everybody's talking about how FSU did and how FAMU did. They're high fiving each other. The city comes together through the advent of football. You have you have people you would think don't give two flying flips about FAMU. That I heard you won today. Congratulations! How did y'all do it? Oh, we did good. We won too, man. It's good, man. Both teams, like people, actually want both teams to win. If you don't want both teams to win, and you're from Tallahassee. You sleep. Because that that means you're closed-minded. You don't see the idea of progress. It's just, I'm just saying. So congratulations, speaking of progress, to Coach Brian Henry, though. He is new baseball coach, head baseball coach at Tallahassee Community College, one of my alma maters. I got three of them, y'all, so y'all got to forgive me. I'm, I'm a fan, and I'm biased, and I'm happy for him, though. And let this serve as a story, though, or as a lesson that FAMU's got to make sure that we are adequately paying our coaches and our staff. We had a nice baseball field. Hopefully we get some work done to the stadium to get it updated, but we, we definitely need to make another investment in the facilities in the way of the baseball field, as well as continued investment in the softball field. The softball complex looks nice. So shout out to those who had something to do with that. And let's hope for continued success with that because if we're going to draw the best talent, we need to have good facilities. No, they don't have to be great. I'm, I'm just, they don't have to be great, but they need to be good. Right, if they're good and you're winning, you're going to draw talent. It's simple. It's really, it's a really simple concept. If you have a winning product and you have good facilities, the players are going to come because they want to win. And if the players are winning, and they're leaving and they're doing good things, then all of a sudden the eyes of the nation will come and follow. And the people that matter are going to be coming to your games to watch your talent. That's what we need. And we need continued vision and growth to see that we need coaches that don't just come from FAMU to coach our athletes. And we are able to see what that looks like. When you look at coach Jamie Shoup, And then our head, the head coach at Tallahassee Community College, Brian Henry, who both came from Florida State, shoot, kind of got ran off from Florida State, and it wasn't his fault. Brian Henry played at Florida State. He comes to FAMU, and again, FAMU proves to be a place where dreams come true. All right, y'all. So congratulations to Coach Henry. We're gonna take our last break. Uh, Actually, we got another break coming. We're gonna do two. I'm gonna double y'all up because we're gonna go inside the den. We're gonna to go to the linebackers room and then we're gonna talk about the Jackson State game. Long episode this time, y'all, but football season's approaching. This is fangs up. Alright. Now, the question that I've been asking for several weeks: Who's the man? Who's the man? Alright, y'all. So we're gonna put them together uh for the linebacker room, and so that we can start to get this segment done for the season. I mean we have gone from the quarterbacks to the running backs to the receivers. Now we're going to go to the linebackers. Now we did do defensive line. We didn't, we didn't purposely skip offensive line, but they don't provide a lot of stats as far as pancakes and everything else. So shout out to the offensive line. You are very important. I value you. And uh, if I see you on campus, I'll use, I'll use a piece of gum <laughs> or a pack of gum or something. Cause I, I can't afford to feed all y'all. Love your life but uh i' i I'm not making that kind of bread <laughs> so who are we're gonna start off by listening to top three linebackers that you need to know about or three names from the linebacker room that you need to know about, and then we're gonna i'm gonna give you two you sleeping on, you sleeping on' them, bro yeah, I, yeah look i i I know I know Look, look, you've been telling' them all season, look, bro, y'all sleeping on me, they weren't paying attention, I was it's a I got you Anyways. Number one, who is the man that you need to know? Who's the man? Isaiah lands, the man, I'm just number 31, 6'4, 215 pounds senior from Grayson high school in Atlanta, Georgia, metropolitan Atlanta, Georgia, that is. And he's originally from Buffalo, New York. He's got an NIL deal where he's uh, working with a company that sells Buffalo wings. So shout out to Isaiah land. He played in 12 games. 32 solo tackles, 11 assists, 43 total, 19 sacks, one fumble recovery, and three forced fumbles. Dude is a beast coming off the edge. He, If you look at his profile, he's listed as an edge rusher more than he is a linebacker, but the only reason I, I feel like he's listed as an edge rusher over a linebacker is I don't know what he looks like in coverage. There have been questions about that, but also if you list him as a defensive end, that 215 is a problem. Whereas as an edge rusher, he can play linebacker and defensive end. And that 215 is not a big problem. Uh, the guy that he reminds me of, if you are a Seminole fan like myself, is, I believe, Telvin Smith. Let me make sure. Uh, Telvin Smith, Jacksonville Jaguars, got in trouble because of some foolishness. But dude was a freaking monster on the edges. Yeah. Telvin Smith. Uh He was a linebacker in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like, and it's scary. They are about the same size and height. Telvin Smith, 6'3", 215, and yeah, 215 for, and this ain't good podcasting. There we go. 6'4", 215 for Isaiah Land. So, if you have old film of the Jacksonville Jaguars or Florida State, look at Telvin Smith to see what Isaiah Land may look like in the NFL and to show you that he could survive. Telvin Smith was a monster in Jacksonville. He's got in trouble. Like, over some bull jobs, like over some dumbness. But the dude was a beast. Like he was a late round pick. He went in the fifth round and he, he was a monster his entire time in Jacksonville. So that's a guy that you would say is comparable uh, talent wise. I, I'm not sure, but height and weight wise. Telvin Smith is the comparable to uh, Isaiah land. Now the other guy, who's the other guy you need to, you need to know about the Darius Fagan. And there was recently a write up in the Democrat about him. Uh, shout out to their beat writer. He, he was featured on ONG strike zone yesterday. And that's Nadarius Fagan, number 27, foot 15. He's a grad student from Miami Southridge, transferred from from Syracuse, from Goulds, Florida. He played 12 games last year, 25 solo tackles, 18 assists. That means he has 43 tackles, one interception and two forced fumbles. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he he liked that. Like, Fami's linebackers last year, I didn't realize how good they were. But then you look at some of the videos, and FAMU did a lot of gang tackling, and FAMU's defensive line was destructive as heck. Like y'all, y'all already know. Come on, come on, y'all already know. Sa- Savian was my guy. That that was my guy. my My favorite player on last year's roster was definitely Savian Williams. And um, uh, you know, I'm not Jeff Cameron, Lonnie Pryor bad, but it ain't far. That dude was a difference maker. Just just plain and simple. You, you can't take it away from the kid, the man. He's grown behind man now. Difference maker. And uh, Nadarius Fagan is going to be another difference maker. And his first game of the season going to be in the 305 in front of his home people. And I, I think Nadarius is going to put up some decent numbers. As you can see, the numbers speak for themselves. So those are, I said three, but it was. Two, I gave you two, two guys that you need to know about, or that you need to know about from last year's roster. Who's the man? Obviously, unquestioned Isaiah Land. Isaiah Land is the man. The Darius Fagan, another man that you definitely that is coming back from last year. That he's gonna have your attention. Now, they sleeping on you. They sleeping on you, bro. I know. I look. I'm gonna tell them about you though. That's all I see. High at work. See, you know, I know, look, I, I know they ain't talking about you much, but I'm gonna tell them about you. Two players you need to know from the linebacker room. Two of them that you sleeping on. Yeah, you sleeping on them. I'm talking about sleeping on them. Like, yeah. Steph Curry sleep mode. You sleeping on them. Isaiah Major, he's listed as number zero. Six foot, 220 pound junior from Independence Community College, also known as Last Chance U, one of the Last Chance U football programs. There were three. Independence U was the second one. The first one was the one in Mississippi. The second one was Independence in Kansas. The last one was in California where those kids got like no scholarships, no nothing. And he's from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He played in six games last year, 15 solo tackles. Fifteen assists. That was total total of 30, 1.5 sacks. And y'all, buddy was at the orange and green game. He liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if his number gonna stay number zero, but he liked that. Like that, that. He come across that field and you you just turn to your mama and say, "Mama, there go that man again." Ma, there there you go, like that. Isaiah Major could be a problem. Like. If I'm Jackson State, you need to find that man, wherever he is on the field. Shador need to be looking for him, and if you catch the ball, we'll be tied if you run across that middle because he gonna put his, he gonna try to run through you, and he ain't got nothing to lose. Like I, I'm just telling you. Like I was able to speak to him after the game, and height height wise, I'm I'm never impressed. I'm 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 short, so I'm, I'm five nine, five eight. I am 5'8". i do not care if you six foot seven. I'm not gonna be like, oh, you tall. He's, he's like a legit six foot five eleven, six six foot, but buddy yoked up, man. <laughs> that dude, that dude ate the gym. Like buddy is not like, and he actually knew one of my former students. Uh, shout out B cross, but like, yo, yeah, he liked that. Uh, not, and he, on the field, he looked different, like a little twitchy, like look out for Isaiah. I think Isaiah major starts. I'm just going to say it like this. I think Isaiah major starts. I think Isaiah Lamb gets moved more to an edge, a pure edge rusher. And I think, fam, you plays almost a 4-3 at times. I love a 4-2-5 because I think in a 4-2-5, you can put Isaiah Lamb at that strong safety position. He's a linebacker, but he's not the greatest in coverage. Make him that blitzing safety that comes off the corner that then has a defensive end in front of him to help him with the tackle. Because... The halfbacks can deal with them, but they're not going to want to deal with them. That's the thunder, y'all. I'm going to keep it moving now. The other one is Eric Horn. I didn't, I I Eric Horn did not. I didn't get to see him at the spring game. And that's not me saying I didn't notice him. I don't remember seeing him. And so that's not a slight on him. That's me being an honest person. Uh, but he is number five, six one, two hundred and twenty-five. He originally Attended FAMU East, as I've co- called it, Rains High School. He attended Iowa State, though. So he's a transfer from Iowa State. His film with Iowa State is good. Like, go watch his film. Both the transfers from Iowa State stand out. We had two of them this last cycle, and they were both really good and really talented individuals. But while there, he played in 12 games, seven solo tackles, 13 assists. That's a total of 20 tackles. It's not a world-breaking number, but he did it against – High-level talent in a passing league. The Big 12 is most noted for its, its passing. He played against schools like Texas and Oklahoma. You're playing high-level competition, and, and when you look at his film, he looked good. So those are two guys that you're sleeping on that are new, Eric Horn and Isaiah Major, and the other, Nadarius Fagan and Isaiah Land. Like, those, those are two guys for me. That you definitely need to be looking out for, and that I'm excited to be able to look out for. I hopefully will be on the field in a 305 watching the game and talking about it, and hopefully providing y'all a little bit of content from the field. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but I'm pretty sure they're from the secondary. They are. Oh, the secondary special is gonna be good. We got some corners with some lofty numbers, y'all. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But we're gonna get into that next week um so that being said we're gonna take a break then we're gonna do the jsu preview this is fangs up all right y'all last one thank you for hanging in i i know this episode was long the pod's not gonna be that long so if you uh the youtube live is not gonna be that long if you know y'all know the podcast is normally the audio is about 30 45 minutes plus the youtube videos are like 15 to 20 minutes i try to condense it this one gonna be about 30 though so jackson state preview the Orange Blossom Classic. I went last year. I was there in the rain. I had box seats, so I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, my cousin and I went, he brought his wife. I said, cuz, we we may never come back to Miami. We sitting in the boxes, and it was the best decision ever. Because, like, three rows in front of us, they were getting rained on. Where we were sitting, no rain. <laughs> no rain. No rain. No rain. <laughs> you notice how I did that. Gladys Knight ain't gonna get me But uh, this is the season opener for Jackson State This is gonna be FAMU's second game Obviously I talked about the University of North Carolina game Last week Jackson State finished last season 11-2 They lost to the University of Louisiana At Monroe in a very close game And they also lost to South Carolina State University In the Celebration Bowl Which for some people decided the Black College National Championship I'm not one of them people But if you want to be that, be that I'm sorry But that game was a seven to six slugfest. It was both offenses were kind of struggling to figure out what they were doing. Both Achilles heels were exposed. FAMU's offensive line and Jackson state's offensive line were exposed by very talented defensive linemen. And we didn't have our best D lineman on the field. Savion Williams wasn't there, but General hunt was. And, family's D line might be just as good. Like I'm just saying, like I'm a huge Sabian Williams fan, huge, but this year's returning D line solid too. Now the offense is going to be the big question. And will the line be better for Jackson state? If that offensive line is the same garbage they had last year, they, they had shootouts at the end of the season that they weren't supposed to have because the teams figured out that they couldn't block worth a curse. And they just attacked the offensive line. And FAMU did try to get one of their offensive linemen via the transfer portal. Didn't happen. And I'm not crying about it. But, uh, well, that's going to be the overlying question because outside of that, they got talent. Dion has addressed the problem of talent at Jackson State in a quick two-year flip. And the number one guy on there is going to be Shadur Sanders. Shadur is a sophomore. He was the national player of the year, national freshman of the year. And he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. You can talk about him. Or you can talk about Akil Glass. I don't know Akil Glass's game that well. I did watch a little film on him to see, but Shadur is the guy that a lot of people are really pointing to, largely because he is at Jackson State. Because he is Deion Sanders' son, but because he also put up some really solid numbers last year, like uh, you can't, you can't sit up here and say the only reason he's good is because he's Dion's kid. That's not fair. The, the guy had a good season last year. I'm not gonna take that away from him. So that's gonna be the question: Can the offensive line protect, protect Shadour long enough to get rid of the ball? Because it's been announced he kind of has a long throwing motion. It's a, a little elongated. Elongated. It's not a very quick an efficient throwing motion he kind of winds up a little bit and a little bit baseballish on his throwing motion good footwork pre-snap the kid's a killer pre-snap he has no problem reading his defense the problems that I've seen Shadur have are when he's under pressure he does what all of us do under pressure he makes mistakes when somebody's constantly in your face you want people to get out of your face and obviously in football you can't tell people get out of my face give me space that's not what they're supposed to do. And at times when he had people in his face, he made mistakes. The balls were not as accurate. And if you look at his base, his base is kind of wide. Sometimes he can look like a baseball player. I'm pretty sure he played baseball as a kid, but if you get in the way of his throwing base, he becomes inaccurate. That's natural. That's all quarterbacks. Any person that is throwing a ball, ball if you mess with their throwing motion or their footwork it's going to be inaccurate i'm terrible at throwing footballs because i don't have a very strong throwing arm even though i have a very good throwing motion but also my footwork is trash i'm not a trained quarterback put him with a trained quarterback coach and i think he might get better but the kids been getting coaching from from the best of the best for it since he was in high school so that's going to be your first one. Know who Shadour is. Know who number two is because he's going to make some plays. And he's, he's fast enough to make stuff happen when he runs out of the pocket. I think I saw he ran for over 300 yards last year. He's mobile. It's not his first thing that he's going to do. He's going to try to throw it first, but he's mobile. He ain't Dion fast. He ain't Shiloh fast, but he he's solid. The other guy is Malachi Weidman. And he's a wide receiver from Florida, from Tampa. And if you've noticed, pay attention to recruiting. dion has got a lot of kids from Florida on that roster. Like, it's, it's sickening as a person from Florida to see how many kids he has from the Sunshine State on that roster. Weidman is a 6'5 sophomore, multiple sport athlete. He was on the basketball team. So if you went to the FAMU versus Jackson State basketball game, he was on the court. He had over 500 yards last year. And he transferred to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Now, he originally committed to Florida State, but that was, you know, when it was Willie World in Tallahassee. And it wasn't that great. Weidman is the, probably is the top returning receiver, and he is going to draw a lot of attention because of his height. Do you line 6'5 Malachi Weidman against 5'9 B.J. Bowler? I wouldn't do it. (laughs) I don't know if I would do it. If so, BJ is pressing the whole time so he can mess up that kid's steps. Otherwise, I don't don't want him covering him because six, five against five, nine. I mean, that's six inches and he hadn't jumped off the ground yet. BJ got a lot of dog in him, but I want my taller corners going against him. Just being honest. Um, the other guy is Trevante Rucker. He's a sophomore and another Florida guy above 500 yards. And he is going to be somebody that you're going to want to also keep an eye on. They also had the several transfers from Florida State. Their kick returner in particular is a beast. And special teams wise, this this game features two of the best kick returners in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. The kicking game is going to be very important and depending on how you feel about last year's game, the kicking game decided who won. FAMU missed a field goal late in that game. With that field goal, we win. We missed the field goal. I mean it wasn't the best angle, it wasn't the best yardage, but special teams is going to be huge in this game. Kick returning as well as FAMU's kicking game in, in general. Chris Chris Fadul is coming back and he's got some and he got some hardware. So just make sure that you are kind of keeping an eye for that because it's gonna be interesting as far as who does what and who is able to take advantage of of the the other team. Because Jackson, Jackson State obviously has a litany of talented players. Like they they got several transferred in. Now, on defense what are we talking about for Jackson State? They lost all three of their top tacklers. Now, they added a bunch in the transfer portal. One from Florida State, Josh Griffiths. Obviously, they get the number one cornerback in the nation, Travis Hunter. And he's said to be playing both receiver and corner this season. I, I'm going to be interested. Uh 6'1", 160. I don't know, y'all. I don't know if I like him as a receiver, um not saying the kid's not good. What I'm saying is I don't know if in that game I'm playing as a, playing him as a receiver because on film he's got natural ball skills like the kid is sick like he's absolutely a freak athlete, but he's six one he's six five, so that's like average big receiver size. But he's got pretty good speed. So, do you want to put him back there and risk him getting hit by one of those FAMU defensive players who got a, who has axe to grind? I'm just being honest because 160 ain't heavy. It's not. I mean, and I'm not gonna like make fun of the kid or anything. 160 is not a, not a lot. If you are 170, 1 175 maybe. But he's a freshman. He's gonna be playing in a very physical game. In front of very motivated people, and he's going to be playing against motivated people, several of which are playing at home. It's a whole different monster when you're playing in 305, y'all. So, those are the big things that you need to look out for. Now, what is my win prediction? I didn't write it down. I'm biased. And so, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say FAMU is going to win, but. If I'm being real, if I remove my bias, I think Jackson State's a two-touchdown favorite. I'm just, i just, I'm just gonna say it right now, and I, and I, I, when I say touchdowns, I mean touchdowns and extra points. I think the game comes closer than that, but if somebody offers you uh, ten points on this game, take it. I could easily see Jackson State pulling away late. I don't know what their running game looks like. And I don't know what their running game is going to be able to do against FAMU's defensive line. FAMU's D-line is, is solid. Like, it just is what it is. Like, FAMU's gotten some really good players. But Jackson State has been very active in the transfer portal. Unfortunately, they did get a guy from Tallahassee, um, Michael Please, from Lincoln High School, 6'3", 245. Like, Mm, that definitely hurt. Like, uh, he played at Southern Miss before, but yeah. So you, you're going to get some guys that are motivated. I think the fam, you guys at the beginning of the game, it's very physical. I think the whole game's physical, but I feel like by the fourth quarter is where some of that talent that Dion has, starts to kind of take over. And that's just me. I'm not saying fame is less talented per se. I'm just saying Dion got a lot of transfers. But then within those transfers, how many of them are really dudes? And how, how many of them are dudes that couldn't play at their other schools? So that's why I'm going to give them a 10-point game. It's not going to be 7-6 to like last year. That that's enough. That's a that's a heck no, because I don't feel like McKay gets that long release if he struggles like he did last year. I think if he struggles like that, Musa comes in and it's going to be a shootout. I'm, I'm gonna say it. On, I'm gonna say it on wax. So I'm gonna say this game in it is hyped up, probably overhyped. The field conditions of the stadium are going to be a question though. There is a game at the stadium the day before that is going to be a question because at first I was going to hit y'all with like a 24 to, to like 14 score. And then I was like, Ooh, wait, university of Miami and Bethune cookman play the day before. And that game is going to be a stomping. But what happens if it rains? Because Dolphin stadium, hard rock stadium is not a dome. It has covered seating. Most of the upper bowl, the entire upper bowl is closed. It is covered. The lower bowl is not some parts of the lower bowl are not covered. Now you have access to the suites and whatnot. We can go in and out, but they're not covered. And the field is not covered in the event of Florida being Florida. And there being some, some rain like there was last year, right before the game that slows down your ability to throw the ball, especially when you have a quarterback who kind of has a winding throwing motion and he can sometimes have a wide base. He looks like a pitcher to me. So to account for weather, I'm going to take three points from Jackson State and I'm going to give them the FAMU. I'm going to go 21-13. So that's my score for the game. I got 21-13. JSU. That hurt to say that. Oh, uh, uh. So now if FAMU wins though, if and when FAMU wins, I, I'm I'm going to be very quiet and very happy that my score is off. But for the time being, I'm going to go 21-13 and I want to see because FAMU has questions at quarterback. Jackson State has none. FAMU has an unquestioned leader at quarterback, but is he going to be the unquestioned starter? FAMU's got really good running backs. Jackson State's running backs aren't bad. FAMU has really good receivers, great receivers, but they're kind of short. Jackson State has really good receivers, bordering great, and they're tall. Tight end position, I think that goes to FAMU. I'm sorry. I I just, uh, was it Kobe Kobe Gross? Yeah, yeah. I I got no questions there. Offensive line, I think offensive line goes to FAMU. I'm just going to say that now. Defensive line, I don't know. I'm biased. I'm going to say FAMU. But Jackson State's got a dude coming back too. linebacker wise. I'm biased. I'm going to go FAMU. Secondary wise, I'm biased. I'm going to go FAMU. Kicking game. I'm going FAMU if the duel is healthy. Kick returning. I'm going Jackson State. So it's going to be a very interesting game. And then the fact that I'm admitting I'm biased is going to affect That score, which I gave y'all 21-13 JSU. Another late game heartbreaker for the Rattlers. So that being said, thank y'all for listening. This is a long episode. Next episode won't be that long. Next episode probably will be. It's going to be a coach's special. We're going to be doing, have Coach Jay back. We're going to talk about the upcoming recruiting camp that was not recruiting. High school showcase here in Orlando and we're going to talk about some of the players. I don't know if we're going to do an audio for it, though. We, we may just have it as an audio for those that want to listen. But we're definitely going to do the YouTube live stream. And we're going to do the live stream for this at 8 o'clock Thursdays and Sundays are going to be our show. times for the live streams. Feel free to join in, comment. I might not read your comment because I'm the producer and the host. And But... We will do our best to continue to make this product great. And I say we because I'm supported by a wife and children and a wonderful family. As always, y'all, before this lightning starts striking and striking and striking again, it's fangs up.